Well, as far as uh, sermons go, we are uh, halfway through our series in the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, this is week number 11 uh, in it. We have got nine more to go, so we're halfway. Yes, we are taking our time through this little book. Uh, and seriously, I am really glad we are. Um, series is called A Church on the Move. Church on the Move. A Church on the Move is about a people on the move. Um, a church does not self-declare it to be like, hey, we are now on the move. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. You either are that or you are not that. And a church on the move is not declaring itself on the move. It is either on the move or not on the move because of the people in that church. Uh, By the way, a a people uh, on the move is about individuals on the move. Just because a, quote, church on the move of people on the move doesn't mean that everyone is on the move. Uh, But when it comes down to it, it's really about individuals that are on the move. And we also do not self-declare ourselves to be on the move. It's not like today, I'm on the move today, or I have been for... No, you either are or you aren't. And uh, this whole series is about looking at this dear church that is a church that's on the move because it's a people on the move comprised of individuals who are on the move. Not a perfect people, but they're on the move. Two questions come out of that for me. One... Uh, Does on the move for Jesus Christ describe you? Does on the move for Jesus Christ describe you? Let me clarify that question, by the way. I think it's pretty important. I'm not asking if you are a superman or superwoman for Jesus. Not asking that. I'm not asking if you've got your act totally together for Jesus. I'm I'm not asking that. Uh, I'm not asking if you've lived this week totally sold out for Christ. I'm actually not asking that. Um, I'm also not asking if the people around you think you have arrived at it because I probably know the answer to that. I'm not asking that question, so what am I asking? Um, Are you on the move for Christ? That means you're not sitting. That also means you're not running. That just means you're on the move. Are you on the move for the Lord. We're going to answer some of what does that even mean uh, today and next week as well. Question two. Have you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? Have you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? I mean, kind of like, uh, I so wonder what God's will is for my life. If God would only send me a note saying, this is my will for you, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be so awesome. Uh, Listen as I read, just listen as I read a part of our text today. For you know what instructions you gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. That sounds cool. So Pastor Doc, are you saying today you are going to talk from God's word about what the will of God is for my life? Yes. Sweet! Let's go. Okay, we're gonna. But let me first pray. God, we need your help. We need to understand you. And when it really comes down to it, Lord, 
we need to think more like you. Because this whole will of God discussion is a thinking problem. And so I ask, would you help us on it? You have told us what your will is for us. Move us. Teach us. Direct us. Guide us, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as we move ahead, I'm gonna make a prediction about this will of God comment that I just made. Um, I'm gonna make a prediction about you that I think assuredly is gonna take place. Oh, so cool, you're making a prediction. I am. Here's what's gonna happen. At some point in time this morning, it's almost assured that as we go through this, we go to God's word and we find out what God's will is for our life. You are gonna come to a place and you are gonna go, but that's not the will of God question that I have for me. Okay? I I, I just promise you it's gonna happen because it has for me this week. It's, I want to know God's will regarding a present life decision or situation. I want to know God's will as to my career. I want to know God's will as to my schooling. I want to know God's word or will for me as we're looking to, I'm looking to purchase a house or purchase a car. I'm wanting to know God's will for me as to who I date or if I marry or if I do either. I want to know God's will regarding a present life decision or situation. Hey, what if God's will for your life includes all of that but is about something far bigger and far more eternal than that? And here's what goes on. Loved ones, we are asking the right question of God, but we are missing his answer. And what is going on is we are asking kind of a question that is very horizontal in nature. God is answering with a vertical answer, and we go, my horizontal question is not matching your vertical answer. And can I just say God probably knows more than you and me? Can I just say that it would probably be a good idea if we step back from our question and consider God's answer because it's from God, okay? At some point in time today, you're going to ask the or make the thought, this isn't my question, and it is answering your question. We tend to use God as opposed to be about glorifying God. So here we are. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Woo! If you haven't turned there in your Bible yet, please do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're beginning, we're just gonna do uh, actually the first three and and a quarter verses um, in it. Uh, Chapter one of Thessalonians has been telling us about how the gospel came to these dear people in Thessalonica and God did a work in them and through them. In the beginning of chapter one, it talks about how their faith is at work, their love is laboring, and their hope is steadfast. These are sweet, dear people that see the Lord with seriousness and are taking him seriously and the Lord is using them seriously. Chapter two is really Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They're faithful 
faithfully loving and ministering the gospel of Christ to these people. They're telling how they've gone about that, and it's gentle like a nursing mother. It's exhorting like a, a faithful, honoring father, and it's also doing it in a First Thessalonians 2.8 kind of way. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. That's how they did ministry, summed up in a verse. And then chapter three, all done in a reciprocating relationship, pouring into each other, out of each other, as, as they have now are separated from each other. And we enter chapter four. Let's work this through. I'm gonna be kind of working it almost uh, word by word, phrase by phrase as we go through. So let's start. Verse one, it says, finally then, brothers, finally then, sisters. By the way, the word for brothers there means brothers and sisters, okay? It's kind of a generic, term for both in that. Uh, finally then, brothers, finally then, sisters, we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus. Okay, now, finally, he starts out with that. You kind of look at it, and you're like, well, we went through 10 weeks on, on the first uh, three chapters, and, and he's in the finally already? It sounds like he went right from talking about their relationship and what's been taking place in their lives, and then he's like at the end here. Well, the, the word here for finally, it's more of a transitional marker as opposed to a conclusionary marker. I might say it that way. This is kind of a transition here. It could be a now then, brothers, and now then, sister. So he is kind of pulling to the latter part of it. You go through the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters are about doctrine. The last three are about the practice of that. They're, they're kind of of the laid out Thessalonians is a little bit like that. The first three chapters are about the relationship and what God is doing in and through them. The last couple chapters are really about some other things to be addressed. So finally then, or now then, we're transitioning uh, brothers and sisters. By the way, brothers and sisters, it's not just hey you peeps. It's not just whatever your names are. This is people who love each other. We for sure saw that last Sunday and and in the Sundays before then, Pastor Nate at the end of chapter two, for you are our glory and joy. This is not just a generic brothers and sisters. This is truly one of these things. This is one of the sweetest letters in the New Testament from my perspective. And he, when he is saying this, he is saying this with a dear sense of I love you. Brothers, I love you, sisters. And then he says, we ask and we urge. It's interesting here. Two words in this. Uh, If this were Corinthians, he would just be kind of saying, hey, brothers and sisters, we urge you. Because he's like getting at it. There's something that's got to be taken care of. Here in this, coming off of this sweet relationship that they have, this first one, we ask you, this is kind of like a loving request. Hey, I have a loving request for you. I'm going to ask something of you. But if you leave it like that, you could take it kind of like, well, it's a take or not take kind of thing. I have a loving request for you. I would prefer city barbecue for lunch today. Well, okay, we might do that. We might not do that. No, but he starts with this loving request kind of thing. That is kind of our place. on <laughs> Anyway, off track. Um, 
We ask and we urge you. The next word, urge, carries more of this idea of a serious exhorting you. Uh, I'm, I'm lovingly asking of you. Oh, and I just want for you to know as well, brothers and sisters, I'm also in this, I am urging you, I am exhorting you, I am calling you on this. Hear me out with what I have to say because it's really, really important right now. By the way, notice that we ask and we urge you in the Lord. That is very important because at the core of it, this is not Paul, Silas, and Timothy's ask and urge. This is the Lord's ask and urge. They are the human deliverers of what God is asking and urging. And we're in partnership with God in that, essentially. Their ask and their urge is what the Lord asks and urges of these people. I'm curious, what is it? Well, let's keep going. That as you received from us, let me just stop there for a second. Because the answer that he's about to give for what they're asking and urging, what they're asking and urging is something they've already heard. See 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 in the text? We ask and we urge that as you received from us, this is referencing back, you've already heard this before. This is not a new message. This is an ask and urge that uh, we've given to you before. By the way, do you find it easy to forget? Now, I, am, I am telling you, ever since my hair has gone, is this gray or white? I don't need it on a form. I was like, I don't even know what to call it anymore. It's less of it, whatever it is. But as I've gotten older, it is getting harder and harder to remember. And plus, I'm just a very, I remember by experience, a song comes on the radio, and it'll be like, seventh grade, Lake Zurich, Illinois. Totally remember that. I can feel it. I can see it in the cafeteria, uh, the whole thing. Uh, but with the remembering things, and it's the times Karen's like, uh, do you remember that? Oh, no. She's like, you're here again, isn't it? It's like you are losing your mind with your hair. And it's like, yeah, babe, I, I am. And it's frustrating. Just ask her. And I will tell you, it's frustrating. It's just like, how many times do I need to be reminded of things? Here's one of the cool things about what we're getting into. This is something we need to be reminded of. By the way, for most of you today, what we're going to be talking about here, this is not new. You've probably heard this over and over again for many. Maybe for some of you this is the first time, and that's fantastic. But this is something we need to hear again and again. By the way, things that we need to, need to be reminded of are generally important. You know, there are some things like, nah, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Not important. And then there are other things, no, got to remember this one. This is one of those. Let's keep going. Ask and urge what? Finally then, brothers, sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk. (laughs) Walking, now that sounds hard. Um, By the way, note, it's walk. It's walk. It's not run. Could have said that. Finally, brothers and sisters, do you know how we taught you how to run? No, it's not run. It's also not sit. You know, we told you how, how to sit. Um, no, it, it, it's, what is it? What, what again? Walk. Around here, ever since we began as a church, we have 
use the phrase that um, I heard in my past, uh, we walk before we run. By the way, I want to let you know, we're not even running yet. We aren't. We're only nine years old as a church. We're just walking. Does that bother you? No. You see, one of the things in what goes on is there's a thing in us that we think if we can run, we'll get there faster. Hmm. Walking is a beautiful thing, friends. Let me just even say, as a pastoral staff, we've got eight pastoral staff. Now, that's just crazy to me. Eight pastoral staff. Four of us are, are, two of us are working on our doctors. Two of us are working, two are working on their masters of divinity, and and plus doing the job. And as I can just tell you right now, just even for me, for us, it's like, do more? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? It's already six, seven days a week. Please, let's just walk. And some want to run, and, and I appreciate that. I admire that. I, I, I love that urgency. I love that tenacity. But I want for you to understand at the very core of who God is, because this is the Lord Jesus' ask and urge in this, he's interested in us walking and walking consistently for the long haul. Not short spurts, long haul walk. We have a hard time with that because we either want to sit or run. But it's about walking. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 and Colossians 3 verse 7 talk about how both uh, before being redeemed in Christ or at least Ephesians 2 Um, about how, yeah, I'm sorry, chapter three, verse seven, both of those, how before we knew Christ, we were walking in the wrong things. Ephesians chapter two talks about how we were walking, we were following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. Colossians three, we're following, we're walking in impurity and passion and evil desires and idolatry. We were walking that way, and you kind of look at that, you see, yeah, it was just a consistent movement all the time in that And the Lord's saying, hey, I want the consistent movement, but I want the consistent movement with me. Walk. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. So walk in him, rooted and upbuilt, strengthened. Roots don't run deep. Roots walk deep. See what I'm saying? Roots don't grow real fast. Roots grow slow, and the Lord's great with that. How you ought to walk, oh, and to please God. Understand, the walking and the pleasing God are not two separate asks here. They're, they're, They're united together in this. The walking pleases God because pleasing God is the walking. The walking pleases God and uh, the, 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 the pleasing God is about walking. They're, they're one in the same. The call is to be walking in the Lord because that's what pleases the Lord. Hey, do you want to please the Lord? You want, you want to just live a life that's consistently pleasing the Lord? Then here's the call. Walk in him. No run. Just walk. But no one can really walk in a pleasing God manner. Wrong. Look. Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing. 
this is one of those things where, you know, I, I've, try, I've tried to walk in the Lord, haven't done that. And, and I can't do that. In fact, it's impossible for anyone to do that. Listen, the Lord does not expect anything from us that he has not equipped us to be able to do. And we generally think God has called us to be perfect and to look like we're perfect, like we have our total act together before the Lord. And the Lord's like, <laughs> you are all schmucks. And my grace is poured over you, and I love that. I love pouring my grace over broken sheep and having them walk after me, ba after me. They trip, they fall, they fail, they get dirty, they mess up, like again and again and again. But I love them walking. We're not to sit in Christ because that's not pleasing to the Lord. We're not to sprint in Christ because there is no fast pass to Jesus in the maturing of our relationship with him. We're to walk in Christ, and you and I can do that because we're equipped by God to be able to do that. Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. More and more, I love that. Like how much? Just more and more. No, like when have I reached it? No, more and more. But (laughs) that is so fuzzy. No, it's not. More is more. No, but I want to know, is it half a cup or three quarters of a cup? Just more. Yeah, I did that walk in Jesus thing years ago. Yeah, I've been walking the same walk with Jesus for the past years. No, understand this. It is a walk, but it is about a more and more walking in Jesus. By the way, I want to note this. This is really important. It's not about walking into a run. For a number of us, we have to just calm our heads. Because the truth of the matter is our standards at time, our expectations at time are actually bigger than God's expectations. Like, I should be running in the Lord right now. Mm, Maybe so, but guess what? God says, hey, I'm pleased with walking. And more and more and more of that. So some of you just chill your hearts. Bless your heart. Chill out. You have a higher standard of you than God does in this. And I just lovingly will say, stop it. Rest in the Lord and walk in him. Jesus said, my burden is light. Walk in him. Not sit, not run, walk. It's a walk that matures. It's a walk that 
that has an aboundingness to it, an overflowing over time. It's over and above. Uh, it's, it's a full quantity walk. It's how I was walking last year. The walking that's going on this year is different than last year. Why is it different? Because there's more of this walking than there was last year. But, but I haven't attained to the running yet. Chill out. Is there growth? That's what there there should be a desire for more uh, more maturity of walking, better walking, less tripping, more ongoing. By the way, this is for the Lord and it's done by the Lord. This is partnering with the Lord out of love for the Lord. Uh, I'm going to guess if you've been a part of church in your life, you have the wrong idea on this, and I'm talking of me as well. Because we have heard it so often that it's like, pick it up, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you loser, you louse. How long are you going to be inconsistent before God? And, And we operate out of a sense of grand guilt and massive failure, right? No, 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 we're going to go through a little bit later here and just show you, I think, more what the Scripture says. We walk and we walk more and more in the Lord because I don't want to do anything different. Be out of love for the Lord. I mean, walking some other walk, are you kidding me? How empty, crazy, stupid, boring, and like non-eternal is that? And yet, we struggle to go back there, don't we? Me too. But it's a walk, and it's more and more. By the way, more and more assumes we don't and don't. Hey, do that more and more. What's contained in there? It means that you're not. It means, are you with me? No? Okay. Hey, more of that. More of that. Uh, Okay, let me get really goofy. More clapping. Okay, everybody clap. Okay, more, more of you. Come on, more of you. you. Okay, go ahead, stop. Uh, Okay, hey, more, more clapping. (laughs) More assumes that there are times that you don't. It's saying we want more of that, and in the assumption of that is means that there's times of not that. How can you do more of something if you're already doing it all the time? You can't. Hey, friends, in the chill-out reality of it all, here's part of the thing. God understands that we fall and fail. <gasps> he does? Duh! We are masters at trying to cover up who we are with each other and before God. And how absolutely ridiculous is that? Hey, I don't know what sin struggles you've had through this week. I don't know what sin struggles you've fallen and failing in. I I just don't know that for you. I I do for me. But I I know this. You have some time this week, right? Oh, no, I'm perfect. I, I, I... are you kidding me? Paul Romans chapter 7. I want to do what is right, but I can't do what is right. I, I want to please the Lord, but it's just like I, I have this war within me going on thing. Um, 
the more and more assumes the reality that God understands our condition. And God understands our falls and our failures. And God is not crossed with his arms ready to crush you every time you sin. And yet I would venture to say that's generally how we've been taught and that's generally how we think. Instead, God is like, oh, I love you guys. And I understand you have such a hard time. Sin is so devastating. But I love you. Just walk. Just walk. And walk more and more. That would please me. Redeemed in Christ, we need to be reminded of this, don't we? Don't we? We need to be reminded of this. Ask and urge by the Lord to live what we know we're called and equipped to live, to walk in Christ and do so more than more. More and more. Um... Uh, five kind of, uh, I'm going to call them illuminating thoughts to me. Let me kind of put them out here on, on the screen. Just five thoughts. All of this. Number one, this is all so encouraging. This is all just so encouraging to me because of just what I said. It assumes that we fall and fail and we don't have our act together. We are broken people. Hey, by the way, the person next to you is broken. The person behind you is broken. The person in front of you is broken. And the people all in this room are broken people. I trust that you are redeemed in Christ and saved in Christ, but still broken but redeemed. And that is really encouraging just to know that I, I want you to know I struggle in life. Oh my word. You too? If you have the idea that somehow as a senior pastor here, like I've got my act totally together and I'm 100% on game, hey, I want to love you enough. I'll be transparent enough first and just say that's not true. Secondly, on top of it, I'll just add you have bad theology. Because who's got it together? We're walking more and more, pressing ahead to please the Lord. That's what is, and that's just so encouraging. Also, secondly, with that, it's also very leveling. All of us who are in Christ are in this together. By the way, all the yous, the you and the your are all plurals. In other words, Paul and Silas and Timothy are not talking to a singular person. He's talking to a people in this. Uh, and, And remember, people, a church is comprised of people, and people are comprised of individuals. So yes, this is a call to individuals, but it's also a call to people who who comprise a church. There is a holistic reality in this walk. We are to be walking as each of us are walking more and more. It's very leveling. It's not men versus women. It's not ministry people versus lay people. It's not young and then old. It's not new in Christ, old in Christ. It's not those who, that are just encouraged in Christ, not those who are discouraged in Christ. Hey, wherever you are at in Christ, this is the call for you to walk. We're all together at the same point. Got it? All, say all together. Thank you. Third, it's so centering. The center is the Lord. The center of this is not you and I. When we are thinking rightly, we move out of the front of the picture and the Lord moves in the center of it. When we are at the center of the picture, we're in trouble. 
because this is not in any kind of a way for you to pull your bootstraps up, man up, woman up, get your act together, come on. It's not that call today. The call today is this. Hey, those in Christ, this is a call to center eyes on the Lord because growth and walking in the Lord is not in your strength. It is partnering with the Lord, by the Lord, for the Lord. Look to the Lord. Center there. Fourth, this is also humbling because it's not by our own power. Don't you get tired of the same sins again and again and again and again? I don't know, I just said that and I got like one person. I am totally feeling lonely right now. Don't you? Oh, it's so wearisome. And so tiring and so humbling. And kind of in my role, I think it's very important for you to hear all this from me. I'm no different than you. I'm seeking to walk in the Lord, redeemed by Christ, walking in the Lord more and more. And that includes fall and fail. And again, and again and again. But walk. More and more. Together? I'm just tired of fake Christianity. Uh, Fifth, this is all about advancing. Advancing. Hey, is your knowledge of the Lord advancing? Is your love of the Lord advancing? Is your walking in the Lord advancing? Not running. More and more. By the way, that also means fail and fall. But more and more, walking and advancing, and Lord willing, less and less falling and failing because of more and more loving the Lord. It's about advancing. Verse one, it's just so encouraging. It's so leveling, it's so centering, it's so humbling. It's all about advancing. Verse two, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. This is almost like a repeat what was already included in verse one. Kind of like just in case you didn't kind of get what I included in there, number one, this is not just an ask and an urge from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. This is an ask and an urge in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of it all. And and oh, by the way, it's something we've already talked about again and again. And I want for you to know this, the the very core of what we're talking about today, we're going to kind of carry it on next week because the text carries it on next week. And we'll be talking about it in the core of it all next month and all this year and next year and the next year and the next year. Why? Because the Lord wants us to walk more and more and we need to be reminded in that and encouraged in that and helped in that and taught in that. Growing in our knowledge of the Lord, growing in our obedience to the Lord, growing in our serving of the Lord because it's all for him by him, right? This is who we are. This is at the core of it all. Okay, so Pastor Doug, I hear the ask and the urge, and 
I hear that it's a walk to please God and to do so more and more, and we need to be reminded of it again and again, but can you just clarify me for me just really how important this is because I'm not sure if this is a capital A ask and urge, capital U urge, or if this is just a small A and U ask and urge. Let me just say this. This is a capital A ask and a capital U urge. Why do I say that? Because look at the very first few words of chapter verse, (laughs) excuse me, verse three. For this, by the way, I think that this is also referencing what was said and what is about to be said. For this is the will of God. What's the will of God for me? Here it is. No, but that's not my question. See what I'm saying? But this is the will of God for you. What are the next two words? Your sanctification. I believe in some versions it says your holiness. Your sanctification. By the way, it's your, it's plural. It's not just talking to an individual, but it's a corporate reality. It's both individual and corporate. A church is comprised of people that is comprised of individual. It's talking to each of us individually and it's talking to us corporately. Sanctification, that's a big word. I just want for you to know here real quick, um, there are kind of three theological discussions of Scripture uh, uh, about types of sanctification. Let me just note there's positional sanctification. Uh, this is a positional and instantaneous at your salvation. Uh, at the time when the newly redeemed person is set apart from the rule of sin and set unto God as God's own special possession, I would say Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and following. It's when you come to the place where you see that you are in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 person, a sinner fallen short of the glory of God and in need of a Savior. And then verse 4, but God, rich in mercy. And as the text tells us, receive Christ as your Savior, not by works, not, not, not by works, but by a gift of God that is received. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you are positionally sanctified. You have been set apart named as, graced over, covered over by the blood of Christ, you are redeemed. I would say it this way, positional sanctification, this was done in you if you know Christ. Then there's ultimate sanctification. That's with the Lord. That's Revelation 21. No more tears, no more crying. Sin is gone. It's with the Lord means fully set apart from indwelling sin. It's fully glorified in the presence of the Lord. Bring that on. Uh, that will happen. A pro- positional sanctification was done in me. Ultimate sanctification will be done in me. Uh, here we're talking about out of 1 Thessalonians 4 what is commonly called progressive sanctification. Uh, the redeemed person being actively engaged in the continuing work of God in him or her to be more like Christ. Can you get more into the definition? Okay, verse one of chapter four. That's what we're talking about. What is progressive sanctification? God wants you and I, as redeemed individuals in Christ, to be walking in him for his pleasure and glory more and more. That's what we're talking about here. The progressive sanctification. The ongoing movement. Positional sanctification was done in me. Ultimate sanctification will be done in me. Progressive sanctification is being done in me. That's what we're talking about. So what is the will of God for me, Pastor Doug? Your sanctification. 
that allows me to go across the whole room. (laughs) Your sanctification, uh, that's a big word, okay. That you would be walking in the Lord, pleasing him more and more for his glory, right? That's a, no, (laughs) no, but Doug, I lost my job and I want to know what God's will is for me for my job. Here's God's will for your job, that you would be walking more and more, pleasing the Lord through the whole scenario, learning from him, growing in him for his pleasure. But that doesn't tell me what my job is. You're right. And a sovereign Lord is using your situation and his desire is that you would grow in it and through it. The answer of the job is not the key thing. That's our key thing, but that's not the Lord's key thing. We are, we Americans, we are crazy about decisions. God, I have a decision. If we make the wrong decision, woo! Because what's God's will for me? The decision is not the deal of the Lord. What car do I buy? Well, the Lord wants to use that whole process to grow you and mature your through Have you thought about biblical principles and when it talks about finances and so on and so forth? I just want to know what the car is. The Lord wants to grow you through it. We want the easy way out. And we want the self-centered way out. God loves us enough that he's maturing us through it to grow us to become more like Christ. Yes, for our good. For his glory. All right. Um, Karen, can I have your help? And uh, we're going to finish by kind of bringing in some uh, view here, all right? If you could go ahead and get that set up. Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. All right. It's pool time. If you were here last week, you might know a little bit about what's going on right now. Let me make two comments. One, um, we're going to pick up right where we left off next Sunday. By the way, if you have your Bibles open, you'll see next Sunday is a PG-13 conversation. Because here's what happens. The Lord is giving an ask and an urge, and then he relates it to a practical item. What is that practical item? Sexual immorality in the text. Okay, we're going to talk about that next week, so I just want for you to know and for parents to know that um, we're going to keep it. Uh, I'm going to work to keep it at a right level. I think it's fine for your junior high, senior hires to be a part of what's going on tomorrow. We'll keep it at that, but I just want for you to know uh, some of the sensitivity of the subject as we will be talking next week. The other is I want to finish here with kind of some uh, practical application as to what we've just been talking about with uh, sanctification 
in the Lord. Um, Let's see God's vertical answer in our horizontal questions, okay? So here's what's going on. Karen and I are going to be taking an issue and we are going to think it through as we've just been talking, trying to help you along so that this isn't just a class talk, but a life reality. I'm gonna kinda take it from a common guy's couple issues. Karen's gonna take a couple women's issues. So listen in, you ready? Okay, first slide. I told our guys in our small group that we just had recently that I think fear of failure is one of men's hardest struggles. So I'm gonna face this way because of how life goes, so join with me. As a guy, I fear failure. I mean, what if my career fails? I mean, if my career fails, what will be my identity? I mean, when people ask me, who am I, what do you do, and I tell them my job, that puts my identity on the table for them to be able to understand it. And just as a man, I mean, oh my goodness, my lost dreams that I might have. I had so many dreams as I was younger, and, and, and they haven't come about, and, and oh my word, oh Lord, uh, what's going on? I'm such a failure with it, and what if I'm found out? I mean, what if I'm really found out for what is going on in my life? Uh, I'm not seen as having my act together. I'll just say this as a man, just behind the scenes, I just see so much inadequacy as a man. Which is a spiritual defeat in life. I mean, if people only knew just the struggles I have in life and, and what's going on with that. Oh, just that failure. I'm just so tired of failing the Lord again and again and again. And if I fail, I will be disrespected. Oh, I fear failure. Matthew 22. Lord, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and others as yourself. Fear of failure. Oh my word, my Lord knows I'm a failure. And he loves me anyway. Again and again and again. Do you know that? That is our God. A God that when Adam and Eve failed, he didn't just crush them out and throw them away. He continued on for his glory. So apparently, this isn't about my failures. This is about the Lord's plan, the Lord's purposes, the Lord's glory in all this. Oh my word, God is my identity. He is the one that, 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 that gives me hope and purpose as a man. He is my career. What I do is going to burn. What I own is going to burn. But loving the Lord, that's forever. Oh, but, but, but I just fear of people and, and yet I... The Lord loves people, and they're all failures, too. I love you guys, but you're all failures. And how encouraging is that in this? Why do I, I, I'm so fearful of someone else understanding that I might be weak? Well, because then I won't be a man. But it's not about being a man. It's about being God's kind of man. And God's called me to love people. And you know what? Even in loving people, people are gonna, people are gonna hurt me and I'm gonna fail people, but... Hmm. Called to love the Lord and to love other people. I think an issue for every person alive is the fear of man. 
and the world calls that insecurity. It's, this is the thing, that the, the voices in your head that say, what are people going to think of me? I'm standing up here, what are they thinking of me? What if I say something stupid? Um, what if I'm rejected? Will you accept me? Am I enough? Am I smart enough? Am I a good enough mother, a good enough wife, a good enough employee, a good enough business owner, a good enough you fill in the blank? I'm not good enough. What do I look like? How are people going to respond to me? We get these thoughts just flooding into our minds, and what we have to do is we have to start preaching the gospel to ourselves. And the gospel says, we love God because he first loved us. And so I have to say, okay, maybe you all will reject me, but my Savior never will. Amen. Right? Because we are in Christ. And the love that the Father has for the Son, which is never-ending, never-failing, perfect love, he has for me. Not because of me, but because I am in the Son. And that is all passed on to me. So I can say, you know what? I, I will never be rejected. I am forgiven and chosen and held and kept by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That frees me. Now I can love other people because I'm not, uh, I don't need them. When I'm worried about what everyone else thinks of me, I need them to affirm me. I need them to love me. I need them to speak kindly. I need all these things from them. And then I can't love you. I'm just using you. Okay? I'm using you to fulfill my needs. But when I say, hey, I am fully loved by the Father, and out of love for him and, and gratitude and my goodness, he loved me, and he loves others. Now I can be free to love people. Amen. And another one for guys. Oh, this makes me so mad. <laughs> Life needs to be my way. I want what I want because my way's right. And we live in a harsh world, so you got to be harsh back. I mean, if, if you're going to win, you, you, you got to go for it. You got to push it. You got to have your own way. And, and, and I know what's best. If you would just do it my way, in my time, the way I want, I wouldn't have to get angry. Don't cross me. Respect me. Don't cross me. Respect me. Do and be what I say. By the way, I, I don't deserve the hassles. I deserve respect. I deserve to be the king of my own little kingdom, and you are my servants because I am the king. And if you don't, if you wrong me, I will get angry with you. Wait a second. Um, um, God. God has every reason to pour out his wrath and his anger. And yet, he is holy, and he withholds his anger in steadfast to redeem people. Oh, I'm called to be more like my God. And if he can be that way with other people, I, I should be growing in that way with other people. God is not a God of anger. He is a God of righteous anger. I am not a person of righteous anger. 
I am a person that struggles with unrighteous anger. I need to stop making everyone and everything my thing like I'm God. Control is an issue. Wow. And when I think, when I have my mind filled with the idea that I need to be in control of everything, two emotions happen for me. One is fear. What if? The unknown. I have to be able to control all these things. I have to be able to control every outcome. I have to be able to control every person because I have to be in control and make everything happen the way I want it to happen. And I'm fearful if that doesn't happen. And then I get the anger with that too. Why are people not doing what I want them to do? There's one way to do everything, and it is my way. Would you all please just get on board with that, and everything would be fine. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But that leads to a a big... uh, I don't want to get out of my, my comfort zone, right? Because then I won't be in control. Um, I have a fear of the unknown because I can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. I think I can. I have really deluded myself into thinking that I have control. I have no control. And when I remember who God is and that he is sovereignly in control of everything... Only he knows everything. I like to think I know everything, but I don't know everything. And only he has the power to make everything work out for his glory. I don't. I like to think that I do. So I need to love God. I need to really, I need to submit to him. I need to surrender control to him because I don't have it anyway. It's an illusion that I think I do. And if I say that I love God, but I don't trust God, I don't love God. Love and trust for God go hand in hand. How can, I, how can I say that I love God but have a grip on everything in my life? It can't be that way. So I have to love him and, and open my hands and surrender to him and submit to him. And then I can love people because now I'm not using them as little pawns in my kingdom to fulfill everything that I think they should Now I can love them the way that God loves me and release them to him. Finally then, men. Finally then, women. We ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing that you do so. How? More and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. This week, what is God's will for you? That this week, whatever comes your way, whatever surprises you receive, situations you are in, things that don't go the way you thought, God's will for you is that you would walk in him more and more, pleasing him. That's the will of God for you and me. And so, Lord, we leave it there. And we, we leave it there in the reality of it's so easy to say. So hard to do. But yet, God, what you have called us to do and to be, 
you have equipped us to do and to be. So Lord, we ask for help. We're weak. We're frail. We're just sheep. We're not dinosaurs. We're not lions. We're not bears. We're sheep. And we need the help of the great shepherd. Father, I would pray in this room this morning, there is likely some people going through some real life times right now. And they're struggling with this whole asking themselves, what's the will of God for me in it? And, and there's oftentimes in that situation this whole idea that they would be growing and maturing and walking for your pleasure somehow doesn't taste real good for the situation. But that is your will for them. And I pray today that they would just sit and they would contemplate who you are. Because who you are changes everything. We don't walk more and more in you because we are forced to. We don't walk in you more and more out of grand guilt. We walk more and more in you because you are God. And we get to bring pleasure to you. And you, in your sovereignty, have allowed situations in life that they are to come along and to move us and to push us and to press us and to grow us for your glory. Oh, God, everything else is small compared to that reality. Oh, help us to center our eyes on you, Lord. Help us to see who you are. Glory in who you are more and more so that our response to life is coming out of that place of joy and worship and adoration of who you are. And so we do that now, Lord. We raise the roof, we sing from our lungs as to who you are. In the Lord's name we pray. Amen.